Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. I'm your host, Sif, and I'm the founder of Array, and I love bringing you conversations with experts who can help you achieve your biggest dreams and live your most optimized life. Today's guest is the one and only Lauren Bostick, founder of The Skinny Confidential. I'm sure most of you already know her, so she doesn't need much of an intro, but if you don't, Lauren is a lifestyle blogger, author, podcaster, and entrepreneur. Basically, she does it all. She's smart as a whip, a hustler, and an overall badass who shares so many incredible pieces of advice on today's show, which I'm sure you guys will love. But first, let's discuss retinol, specifically the retinol plus ferulic serum from Dr. Dennis Gross, which is the best damn retinol I have ever used. Yep, this retinol is today's hot tip. And honestly, it should be hot tip of the year because this serum has seriously changed my skin. It is so gentle yet effective and prevents and corrects sun damage and just helps my skin looking useful. If you're looking to add retinol to your routine, which you should, this is the one I'm telling you. And listen, this tip is the perfect prelude to today's interview because Lauren has been the most vocal about her love for Dr. Dennis Gross, something we both have in common. So let's dive into today's show and give a warm welcome to Lauren Bostick. Okay, so you started blogging before it was really a thing. Did you want to become a writer? Like what led you to start your blog to begin with? I started my blog because I saw a huge gap. When I started in 2010, there was a lot of bloggers, but they were talking about what nail polish color they were wearing and what they were eating and wearing. And I thought, okay, that's amazing. And I definitely want to implement some of that, but I don't see longevity there. I think in this industry and what I'm doing, I want to elevate a lot of people and highlight interesting people while also peppering in my tips and tricks. And that's essentially been my whole brand Mm -hmm. is, you know, when I started the blog, I was reaching out to 100 people a day on Twitter asking them to come on the blog. It's like, I want to know. Really? Oh, yeah. I wanted to know, like, what's in Miranda Kerr's vanity, what's in um, a reality star's vanity, what they're eating, what cocktail they like. And then I also want to know the everyday girl. So I have all different kinds of people come on the blog, which is why a podcast made so much sense for me. A hundred percent. And Michael, with what he does with Dear Media, it's like elevating other people is so powerful because then it's a, a team 
And I think I look at someone like Oprah, who her whole career, it's not the necessarily like Oprah, Oprah, Oprah. It's that she's constantly bringing other people up. And some examples of that are Dr. Phil, right? A Dr. Oz, like she always was invested in other people succeeding. And so I think that's how the blog started. As far as writing, I've always loved writing. Um, but I wanted to write different in the sense that you felt like you were at happy hour with me. And that's how, what I've continued to do 11 years later. When you read an Instagram caption, I hope you feel like we're talking over drinks. So it's very casual. Um, it's it's a very specific tone of voice, but it's also very authentic to how I talk in person. So um, those were really important when I wrote, and I still do love to write, um, but the medium has changed a lot and you have to be able to evolve. So I still do blog like three to four times a week. Um, but I think that now people are interested in saving time, which is why the podcast is so valuable. Yeah. And I think that that's such a smart pivot as well, that you were not, I guess, like a, an expansion rather that you did, because like, it sounds like that was like podcasting was kind of like the ultimate place where you were meant to go almost. So I feel like you have been the biggest proponent for community. And I think like you probably have one of the strongest communities on the internet and like we were talking about this a little bit before even starting recording that like you have this like incredible community and like I know that something that you talk about is the fact that this space isn't saturated it's not too late for anyone but you know like community is is important so how does someone kind of build a strong community what like what are your tips there if you are telling yourself that the space is too saturated you are making an excuse get rid of that excuse. We're dealing with the world. This isn't 10 gas stations next to each other that are competing for gas. We're dealing with the world. If you have a unique perspective, stop with the saturation excuse. And for any influencer or digital creator that's saying it's saturated, that to me feels like an insecurity. It feels like you're insecure if other people come in the space. This space hasn't even nicked the surface of what it's going to be, I think. I think that there is so many more creatives that it's going to come out of it. I mean, imagine if the TikTok star, I, Charlie, I forgot her last Demilio. name. Demilio. Decided that the space was too saturated. No, it's... It's such a lame excuse, and I'm so over that word. Like, not, not to talk about it right now, but I'm just over people using that as an excuse. And I'm also over creators saying it's too saturated, so don't even bother. That's just not true. That's like... that. That reminds me of, like, Frank Sinatra saying you know what? No one should get into music. It's too saturated. That's how so outlandish yeah. that is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it is so true because the thing is that like, there's new actors coming out every day, like new singers. Like, I mean, come on, you know, you're not going to corner the internet. That's why community is so important. And how I think that I paid attention to community and really built one is that I've never been focused on the followers that I don't have. I focus on the followers that I do have and I serve them the absolute best that I can. So what ends up happening is the people that have been a part of the community end up going to happy hour with 10 friends and they're the influencer. It's not even me. They're the ones that are saying, oh, like, check out the Skinny Confidential. I, you know, heard this person on the show. So I think really paying attention to what you already have and getting rid of the more mentality. This more mentality, it's, you know, this, we just talked about this. It, it, if someone has millions and millions of follow, followers, that doesn't mean that it's better 
or they're, they're going to translate more. It, you really have to look at how they're serving their followers. When I look at someone with 4 million followers and they can't answer on an Instagram post where they got their t-shirt and they're a fashion blogger, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's your due diligence to an audience to answer the question. So I think that if you really want to have longevity in this space, you need to stop thinking more and more and more and start serving who's in front of you. Yeah, and I think that even that kind of translates into brands as well. Like, you know, we like one of the things that we've done with Array is that we treat our customers like influencers as well, right? Because they really are. Like, they're the ones who tell their friends. And, like, I don't know where this concept of, like, neglecting the community you have even comes from because that is, like, they're, like, the people who are going to spread the word about you and be your, like, loyalists. A hundred percent. And I just don't also see neglect. I see a lot of influencers grow out of their audience and think they're bigger than their audience and that's where it becomes the problem for us the audience always comes first it's not the guest it's not ourselves it's the audience Mm -hmm. and I never want to think that I Lauren Everett's would be anything without my audience I would not be able to have a product line and a podcast if it wasn't for the audience so I never want to outgrow the people that have supported me no matter how many followers I have That's so smart. So I want to pivot a little bit and talk about the fact that you had jaw surgery. And I feel like the fact that you had built this community almost was – that was the reason you were still able to stay on as a content creator while you were so swollen, right? Because like typically if if it's a fashion blogger, right? And it's like all just pictures of themselves. How the fuck do you survive something like that, right? Like how do you continue on as a content creator? So tell me about that time in your life because obviously it's re- like it's now resulted in a product which is awesome and we're going to get into that. But I want to hear about that time in your life. Yeah, I think every single thing that traumatic that happens, there's an opportunity for something to come out of it. And that was certainly something that has provided opportunity opportunity. I I decided to have jaw surgery. My jaw was clicking. It was crooked. My bite was off. I was snoring like a wildebeest. (laughs) And the surgery was presented to me to be not easy. No, No one said it was easy, but I didn't know how long I was going to be swollen and how swollen. And what came out of that is I was swollen for years. And when I say swollen, I felt like I was wearing a mask for three years. And on top of that, I had an identity crisis because here I am someone who's in front of the camera all the time and I had to shift and I couldn't use anything about the way I looked. And so mm-hmm. the content had to be even even better. It had to be even more valuable to the audience. And I think with jaw surgery, it allowed me to check my ego It allowed me to realize that you can't lead with your looks. And it allowed me to really become a practitioner of bloat, which is why I'm so interested in your supplement. I think that bloat is something that is not talked about enough. Today, I got my makeup done and I asked her, I said, can I pay you extra to do facial massage first? The difference between getting your makeup or skincare done when when you've manipulated your face and drained the bloat is crazy. I work with this woman that uh, does facial massage for a living, and she told me, she's like, there are so many actresses that I'll watch movies, and I'll say, oh, my God, I could have really helped that. People aren't realizing that it's not just slapping moisturizer and serum on your face and adding skincare. It's draining the face to begin with. And you can do that through your supplement. You can do that through facial manipulation. Now we launched my ice roller, which is all about draining the lymph, tightening the skin, snatching it. Um, I can't wake up without ice. 
So for me, I started to see during jaw surgery that there wasn't a lot on the market that was holding cold. So I would put an ice pack on or a pack of peas and it's not cold five minutes later. And Mm -hmm. I needed something that was like ice on crack. I was taking ice cubes and just putting it on my face. But as you know, that melts. So I went on Amazon and I Googled, you know, I think I Googled jaw ice machine or something. And this $10 roller comes up. This is before, this is way long ago. No one was talking about this on the internet. So I order this cheap white tool. It squeaks, it breaks, you drop it, it's ruined, it's not cute, it's ugly. I don't want it anywhere near my stuff. And it only holds cold for two minutes. Mm -hmm. And so I, I started to use it all the time. It worked for my swelling and inflammation, but I kept having to put it in the freezer. So I, I sought out to create it. I mean, I wanted to create my own thing. And as you know, the product development took me four years. Yeah. Four years. It's finally here. Um, and I'm using it every single day and I'm obsessed. Well, I mean, I think that it's, first of all, like the fact that you had jaw surgery, had this like pivot moment, um, like focused more on the content and the quality of content while thinking, okay, like there's a solution to this. I think that that's really, really, really smart. And I think that also great products kind of come from like your own need as well to solve a problem. And I feel like this is just so you. So tell me about this whole manufacturing process and like what what went into it to release both the roller and the oil, which again is like a very Lauren thing, I have to say. It has to be. If you're a content creator, you should be content marketing to what you're going to launch. If I were to launch makeup, that's inauthentic to me. I mm-hmm. get my makeup done all the time. It's, it's like I'm not applying my own makeup a lot. I, I like to get my makeup done because I can do an hour of conference calls and emails. And so for me, getting my makeup done isn't representing getting my makeup done. It's representing saving time. Totally. So it's it wouldn't be authentic for me to launch makeup because I get it done. I'm not like a practitioner of makeup. But this was something that was a niche that I was a practitioner of. And I just noticed that no one, I remember going to New York and looking around and, and I said, it's, it's like, you feel puffy here. Mm-hmm. And I looked around and Michael said, oh yeah, it's because everyone's tired. And I said, no, it's because people need lymphatic drainage. Your face needs to be touched and manipulated to, to get all that fluid. We carry so much fluid in our face and ice the benefits of it are so crazy. So with the manufacturer, I wanted this to hold cold for so long. And, you know, last night I went to bed. I woke up in the morning. It's still cold. Like this is it. it this is a like it will be cold. Michael couldn't Michael could not believe it this morning. I'm like, it's just stays cold. So that's what makes it different. And I think finding the right manufacturer to execute that was incredibly important. So the first step was I found an Italian designer who's incredibly talented and I told him every little fucking detail that I wanted from a thumbprint because the thumbprint allows you to apply more pressure on the face to a thick silicone to a pink sort of aluminum and I had him render it and then from there you send it to the manufacturer and then you go back and forth back and forth back and forth until it's perfect and then I also think as an influencer I've I've been a practitioner of receiving PR and I know what works and what doesn't and there's a lot of brands that will send you foundation in 5,000 shades in a huge, beautiful basket. But why don't we put it on our Instagram story? Like I, that unlock of like, why do we put something else on our Instagram story over something so extravagant? So I really became 
um, schooled in, in branding and how to get an influencer's attention. I feel like I've really gone to school for that after opening so many PR packages. And there is an art to it. So that was really important to have the presentation be right and to have someone open this and be like, oh my God, I have to put this on my Instagram stories and take a selfie and like maybe I'm going to keep the box because it's so cute. Um, I think packaging is very important. Obviously, the most important thing though is that you're creating a solution to a problem and that is the product. Um, So the process has been gnarly. We talked about this earlier. It's like shipping, (laughs) website, customer service. There's a hundred different things to think about. Uh, I think part of the reason that it took me so long too is because I knew once once I launched product, like things are going to change. It's not going to be the same as it was, you know, a few days ago when mm-hmm. I was I didn't have product. Like you have to shift your mindset and that's a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's a lot. And also I really like what you said about, you know, having gone to branding school just by way of being an influencer and like I think that this is like actually such an important takeaway for any brand founders who will start their own product line and even for us I I'm such a hyper consumer right like I got so many PR packages and again like you notice why you're sharing certain things and why you're not and like even when it came to us kind of releasing product and how do we want it to be packaged for consumers that's why we did the polaroid that we do in all our boxes because like you know we wanted it to be that thing that people wanted to instagram so i feel like just being cognizant of that and like understanding okay like what would really make me excited to open a package it's like so important and i think you give your audience that experience with your stuff as well it has to be pretty does it educate entertain inspire the fat jew is an incredible example he sent me this package that said Lauren fucking Bostick. And in it was a $5 bill, a bottle of Babe Rose that said family time is hard and just like a sick hat. And I Instagram the shit out of that because it's personalized. Everyone loves their ego stroked like that. So it's personalized. It's funny. It makes me laugh. It's And it said like everything you need. And it's like $5 bill. The, the family time is hard. He is a genius. I think he will go down as one of the biggest geniuses in marketing um, in, in, in this day and age. Someone who else is really smart is Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports. I mean, he's a marketing gen- genius. I feel like he is just slayed the game he knows exactly what he's doing and it's smart a hundred percent so we talked about even as an influencer like content marketing before you release a product right and I feel like you've done this over and over again like that's why I'm saying that an ice roller and a fucking oil makes so much sense these are like I've, I've heard you talk about oils and I've heard you talk about lymphatic drainage all the time like I remember when you said that you're releasing a product I was like I think it's going to be something to do with lymphatic drainage or like some sort of bloating product and it was because you content market the shit out of it so for influencers who are listening in how do you how do you kind of perfect that is it repetition like how do you kind of content market a category almost so say you were going to launch Say, say you're obsessed with um, skin and you're just so into it and you as a creator wanted to launch a skin supplement. There needs to be build up before you just launch it. It has to make sense to the story. So if you're an influencer, what I would say is find your niche. Don't, you know, if you're a blogger and you want to launch a makeup line, that's not very niche. Like what's the niche in the makeup? 
are you there's one influencer that has the best brows I've ever seen and she launched this company called Ruffy Ruffy yeah her brows are ridiculous they're amazing and the brows content marketed itself so when she launched that everyone rushed to buy it I went and bought it I was like this is amazing um I want her brows so find something that makes you unique to you niche down on that and talk about it in an authentic genuine way I'm obsessed with lymphatic drainage it's random as shit but I do it all the time and I just can't shut up about it. And I couldn't believe that it wasn't more out there because we're all talking about what we're putting on our skin, but we're not fixing the bloat before we like before we put the, the makeup and the skincare on. It's true. It, and it's it's also like the way it's it's made my skin change is wild. I will walk in and get facial massage and walk out with no fine lines and wrinkles. I mean, I, I think facial manipulation mixed with oil is the key to youth when it comes to your skin and staying out of the sun. Um, and so the oil that we launched is a cooling oil that tightens and works with inflammation. There's a little menthol in it. So everything's very cooling. Um, again, which is like, we need to do like a package for bloat or something. Seriously. Because it like matches. And, and I don't know how I didn't think of that. And everything is like fucking interconnected too, right? Like when you're bloated, it's like it shows on your skin too. A hundred percent. It shows on your face. So like we always get people being like, oh, because of this, my facial bloat also minimized. I'm like, yeah, because there's like a lot of in- anti-inflammatory ingredients in there. So inflammation needs to be discussed more. All, okay, it is the source of so much disease and like discomfort and no one talks about it. Yeah, it's really weird. And I think that I don't, I wouldn't have known about it if I didn't have that horrific jaw surgery. I tried every single thing you can possibly do to fight bloat at that point in my life and nothing worked besides facial manipulation and ice. Yeah, and you talked about it all the time. I know, I so people, people <laughs> when they were guessing my baby's name was like lymphatic Boston. <laughs> And I'm like, that's cute. We could call her Lymph. <laughs> lymph. <laughs> she would hate you. Like Lymphy. <laughs> Can you even imagine I would die? <laughs> okay, so let's talk about keeping out of the sun because you fucking released a book this year too. How'd that come about? The book has been also very you, by the way. Three years in the making. It's um, I wrote the proposal three years ago for it, and it essentially was like a Tools of the Titans book, but niched down on what I feel like my 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 specialty is, which is everything skin. But it again, it's not enough for it to just be me. I can tell you my tips and tricks all day long, but it needed it needed more. I wanted it to be a resource, an encyclopedia. So. We have a hundred of the top influencers, experts, celebrities, doctors in the book. I pulled tips that are really niche and unique. So if someone sent me their interview and it was like, I drink water for my skin, that got X'd out. We, that didn't make the book. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I only picked things that would really give the audience value. It's pink. It's cheeky. It's huge. You can open it any page you want and, and find something interesting and then close it. It's not a book you have to read front to end. You can just dog ear it, but you also want it on your coffee table and your Instagram. And every little detail in the book was like micromanaged like a psycho. It's called Get the Fuck Out of the Sun and you can pre-order it on Amazon. I love that because 
you know how you were talking about people don't have a lot of time and they want to save time nowadays and I love that you've kind of created this book where like it's an easy resource you just open it and you get a tip and you can just move on with your day everything you need to know just open it little tip and then move on yeah it's it's awesome so 2021 is clearly the year of Lauren because you've released a book and a brand and I want to know how the fuck you've done both like what are your productivity hacks I need to like dissect this whole situation when COVID started I looked at it and said okay I had this conversation with myself okay Lauren you can either use this as an opportunity to relax and take your foot off the gas or you can fucking press it as hard as you can and go in on the gas and I decided I'm going to take this opportunity when everyone's relaxing and I'm going to maximize it And I think in life, in any situation, you have a choice. And Ed Milet, who is my mentor, I love him, if you ever want to listen to a great podcast, um, he said it's called separation season. And separation season is when you go to the gym and the trainer says do 20 and you do 25. And then you, you, Friday night when everyone's winding down at 5 o'clock, you know what I do at 5 o'clock on Friday? I send 600 emails. Because I know everyone's off their computer so I can go send all my shit and be done. Sunday's my favorite day to send emails. So separating another great example of this, Tim Ferriss in the four hour work week, he says in the book that everyone would go to the office nine to five. That's what everyone does. Mm-hmm. And they call, they get all their leads, they, they sell their insurance. He figured out if he got to the office at seven o'clock, by nine o'clock he was done because he already got everyone's leads. How can you figure out how to do it more efficiently and separate yourself from what everyone else is doing? So my whole goal with writing a book and launching product was like, how can I take this year and just maximize it? Um, And when someone says like, oh, how how do you do that? You, You wake up every morning and you decide from 10 to 11, you're writing. That's how you write a book. That is how you write a book. It's that easy. Seven days a week from 10 to 11, you set an alarm, you put your phone away, you write. That's how you write a book. So I think how I did it is like I wrote two hours a day. I spent another hour collecting. You would not believe actually collecting all these people's interviews was like pointy. Yeah, going back and forth. And some people (laughs) give you one sentence answers, which is like don't even do it if you're not going to give it your best. And then you get someone like a Kristen Cavallari who is so – um, well thought out and, and her answers are so meaty and beautiful and you can just tell the reason she's successful mm-hmm. is it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna do something do it do it well do it well or don't do it and so that was very interesting to see how people in my industry work I was like wow some people are like so meticulous and there's a lot of longevity here Dr. Dennis Groves you know he's someone he shows up I'm you obsessed know, he gives his all mm-hmm. and um, that's why he's, he's probably going to sell his company for a billion dollars or something. It's, he's very, very thorough. And so that process of collecting everything was trying, but again, I spent an hour a day on it and then I moved on. And so an hour a day, an hour a day, an hour a day, whatever that is. As far as the product line, we, we would set calls on certain days. We would create systems to get to goals. I think a great team is very important having that around you. I am someone who is creative, but I can go fucking wild. 
and I have to be reined in a little bit. And so I think having those people around me that can help execute all these crazy ideas I have was really important. I love that. Um, And I think that you've actually talked about kind of hiring and like finding the right people as well. And I think that actually what sets the Skinny Confidential as even a blog apart from so many others that I've seen is that you you treated it like a business, right? And you you hired the right people. So even just as a content creator and now a brand founder, how do you know when to hire? And like, do you have any tips for hiring? This is my biggest weakness on the planet is building a team. So first of all, I just want to say I used to be a bartender and I um, was a solopreneur when I started. I was I was blogging from the bathroom at behind the like I I just did things the way I wanted to do it when I wanted to do it how I wanted to do it um and so when I brought people on I think in the beginning I wasn't a good boss I was operating in like a silo a bubble Mm -hmm. um and Alex my manager has said this before like you operate in a bubble um and as I've grown gone on I've learned to delegate one of the most effective ways for me to delegate is voice notes because sitting and typing takes my time a voice note so quick and I feel like I can just rattle off Um, and my team knows that so they adjust to that as far as hiring I would say this is so obvious but hire for your weakness but also be incredibly upfront so you know I had an employee who was not organized and that's okay not to be organized but I am so chaotic that I need someone that literally has driving time in my calendar so I need someone who is just crazy organized. And I remember getting in this old employee's car and it was a disaster. If she can't keep her own car clean, how are how are you going to help me clean up my life? Mm-hmm. So when I when when we parted ways and I hired someone new, I told who I hired, Ansley, she works for me now. This is not what it looks like on Instagram story. It's not eating rosé and oysters all day. It's a lot of work. It's schlepping sometimes. It's getting coffee sometimes. And then sometimes it is drinking rosé and we're out having fun on Instagram story. Do not look at my social media for what this job is going to be like because it is hard work. Yeah. So I was so upfront with the expectation and I think that's why it's worked. So if you hire someone, I would be as blunt as possible so then they can make the decision if it's a fit. Um, and I think that a lot of people are like, oh, I want to work for an influencer. It is it's work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's work to make things look effortless and seamless. And five minutes of my day is on Instagram. There's 24 hours in a day. You're not seeing every single facet. There's so much planning and and keeping things organized and hiring and post. Like, it's just so many different things that I think if you are applying for a job for an influencer, know that it's not like glam life. Totally. And as an influencer... Who's the first person you would recommend someone hires? A hundred percent an EA, which is an executive assistant. And that person should be a complete and utter practitioner of your calendar. The person should be so gnarly with your calendar. My assistant knows my workouts are in yellow. My beauty appointments are in pink. My deadlines are in red. She knows how I like things. I like driving time. I like shower time. I like time with my daughter reading time everything is in my calendar she will text me five minutes before a call she 
will remind me to send birthday cards. Like just someone who is very much intertwined with the day-to-day is the first hire I would make. And then I also think it's really important to have youth. And what I mean by that is I'm not saying like I'm an, an, an ageist. I just mean have someone who's on the pulse of what's happening in the digital space. So for me, that was my sister. I hired her when she was 16 years old. She's 22 now. She has completely evolved herself and the brand. Um, and she just helped me launch product. And she's incredibly creative. She has an eye. She's on the pulse. And I think finding that person that has taste, whether that's a graphic designer, someone who knows how to plan an Instagram feed, whatever it is, is very important. I love that. Okay, so the last question I have for you is actually to do with social media because it is such a double-edged sword. And so it's like an incredible place for building community, but it can also be so difficult on mental health. And like, you know, there's like cancel culture and all sorts of things happening, especially this year specifically. So how, like, how do you manage that? You know, like how, how, how much time do you spend on social media When do you know it's time to get off? Like, how do you manage that? Because you're actually, I find that you're so unique because you have a podcast, you have now a product line, you've fucking done a book and yet you're still on there creating content and consuming content. How do you manage all of that? I don't consume a lot of content at all. And this is a discipline and a boundary that I've created with myself by trial and error. I follow 4,000 people, so I can't even scroll the feed if I wanted to. Totally. I can't find anyone. If I'm if I'm liking your Instagram or commenting, it's because I went and sought someone out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't scroll. I deleted Facebook app off my phone. Um, I only consume three Instagram stories a day. And each of them have to bring me value. So... I consume someone for wellness, someone to make me laugh, and maybe my husband. I do not watch people's Instagram story. I find that to be the biggest waste of time for my business that I'm in. Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't serve me to be watching what other people are doing. Would, would I like to sit down and just watch a bunch of people's Instagram stories? Sure. But I've had to create discipline and boundaries. You know, we've all had a Sunday where we end up on our mother, sister's, dad's, mom's, cousin's page. I don't want those Sundays anymore. It doesn't feel good. I don't think it's good for your mental health. And I also think it takes away from your own uniqueness and creativity because you're distracted by what someone else is doing. I have really strict boundaries around social media. If I wake up in the middle of the night and I go on my phone... I've trained myself to click the book app like we're not clicking Instagram anymore and um, I I think that the content that I'm served is really interesting because it's like stoicism and entrepreneurship and I've kind of curated my phone like that I talk about those things and my phone hears me and then I look at those things that are going to uplift me and the phone hears me Um, I just really try to stay away from anything that's that's negative. If someone comes to my page and comments something that is troll, bridge troll behavior, I delete it and block. Get out of my space. I don't want that energy in my community. I wouldn't go to anyone else's page and say something that's rude. No, never. So get that. Just because I am doing what I do doesn't mean I'm someone's punching bag. So I'm very, um, very outspoken about the boundaries that I have set uh, for my community. And also if someone, I want to say this, if someone comes and they say something that's constructive, 
you know, Lauren, you say like too much on the podcast. Okay. That's constructive. Okay. I can work on that. But if someone comes and tells me to kill myself and they don't like my voice, I'm not changing my voice. This is the voice I'm born with and I'm not going to kill myself and get off, like take your energy elsewhere. So I think social media is all about self boundaries and discipline. And if you don't have sort of a constitution that you live by, it will suck you in every single day. And I just want to say this. I started doing the math. If I spend five minutes to or a minute to five minutes a day watching other people's Instagram story, let's say I watch 20 people. After a year, the time that adds up, I could have written a book. So if you start thinking like that and monitoring, I, I Joe Dispenza, he's so amazing. He says, monitor your thoughts. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing every human in the whole world wants to do when they wake up is think of what's wrong. It's, it's human nature. You look what's wrong. So now I wake up and I, if I start to do that, which I do all the time, I start to think what's good. So if you can be an observer of your thoughts and, and what your thoughts are, you can create those disciplines. And maybe for you, that's watching five people's Instagram story. And maybe for you, it's sometimes like me, I'll get off social media on Saturday and Sunday and turn my phone off. Whatever that is, like make sure you have rules around it because it is sort of like a drug or an alcohol. You can't just go free for all or you'll end up feeling like shit. I think everyone should listen to this bit specifically because I think that I speak to so many of my friends and they're like, oh, social media is really toxic. And I'm like, I think you're consuming too much of it because even for me, as I've been building Array, I've had to go off and I can't really consume that level of content because it it would suck all my time. What, what am I going to do with if it? If I were you, I wouldn't consume one person's content besides influencers that you are looking at to sell the brand. Yeah. That's yeah. what I would tell you as a friend. Like, don't even look at anything else. The same for me with politics. I don't want to go online and consume tons of different opinions. It's it's just not. It's the most I don't watch the thing. news. It's draining. I yes. just. And I think also, like, this sounds really weird and I'm so crazy, but like timing the content to the time of day. So, for instance... I'm a huge podcast and audible listener. I find it to be very time efficient and I love learning while I'm doing something that's boring. But I'm not going to wake up and listen to a gossip podcast. No. That is not setting the tone Mm -hmm. for my day. So I'm very methodical. Like Ed Milet is someone I wake up, I listen to him. Separation season, like what a great message to hear before you start your day. And then if I want a gossip podcast, maybe it's while I'm cooking dinner at night so I can just wind my cortisol down that's gonna wind me down um you know like a book on tape is great when you're walking through the airport what a better time you're you're sitting in line you're going through the thing like put up you know I love to listen to like Robert Greene or Ryan Holiday um something where I can really really learn I think paying attention to the moments and season that you're in I don't really want to listen to a business podcast on a Sunday so, you know, last Sunday I listened to something on EQ. It's really gauging where you're at and what the what the mood needs to be. Yeah, I think that the content you're consuming has to like stimulate you in the right kind of way. And you're so right. Like I don't listen to um, a business podcast or a business book on a Saturday or a Sunday. Like that's my time to like, you know, just stimulate myself in a different kind of way. Like then I'm listening to something that makes me feel really good, you know, and like helps me wind down. I would say you're the top five people you hang around with. I would say you're the top five content creators you consume for sure so the content creators I consume better be providing me with a takeaway and value a lot of value or 
I'm not going to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. On that note, Lauren, where can everyone find you? Your Instagram, The Skinny Confidential, like where can they shop? All of that. You and your husband are going to be on our podcast. I'm so excited. We did a swap with you guys. It's incredible. And um, that's up on The Skinny Confidential, him and her on iTunes. You can shop skinnyconfidential.com to shop the ice roller and the cooling oil. And then on Instagram at Lauren Bostick and at The Skinny Confidential. Amazing. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you for taking the time. 